0: The Blaze Radio Network. On demand.
1: Brought to you uh, today by Patriot Mobile. We love Patriot Mobile. Uh, Pat and I have been talking about Patriot Mobile for a long time. Uh, They are, uh, that's who I use for phone service. They have great service. You don't have to sacrifice anything. But the great thing is you do get to get the benefits of helping conservative values. You want to talk about getting Supreme Court justices in. You want to talk about all the things that are important to you when it comes to uh, your political uh, leanings. That's why Patriot Mobile was created. They saw that left-wing companies were sending money uh, to left-wing causes. You can do the opposite here. Right now, they have unlimited plans starting as low as $20 a month. Why wait? Visit them online at PatriotMobile.com slash Blaze. The promo code is FREELINE or call them at one 800 a Patriot Mobile, come join the family. one 800 patriot or PatriotMobile.com slash Blaze. Glenn
2: Beck actually uh pat and Stu for glenn today who's uh taking some time for thanksgiving this week uh 888-727-BECK
1: and we'll right. thank for we'll thank we are thankful for him taking some time aren't we though you know every time yeah. glenn yeah. is away i think to myself i'm thankful <laughs> and it just happens to be really? thanksgiving week this yeah, that's time kinda weird. So, which is kind of great it's yeah, kind of weird
2: uh hey and by the way speaking of thanks thank you for uh contributing if you did to the uh, to to our big fundraiser over the weekend, which was really successful and a lot of fun.
1: Did you ever make it? Yeah, I was there. Yeah, uh, you were there. Yeah, I saw Glenn's whole thing. I, I just didn't. Yeah. Uh, I, I have they they plan the thing on a week uh, a night every year that I have a family mm-hmm. thing. So every year I come like two hours late, and yeah. and I come two hours late, and I know I'm two hours late because everyone mm-hmm. else is already left. Uh-huh. Like like you? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> I, I rarely ever see Pat at these events mm-hmm. because usually he comes early. I come early and, and he leaves early. And don't early stay late. And I come late and leave late. Mm-hmm. But at least that means one of us is there. And yes. that's the important thing. at all thing. times. Uh,
2: that cool. it's, well, we met a lot of great people. It was it was yeah. really a lot of fun. And th- and thank you for your contributions, whether it be through uh, the raffle. Um, just saw the Mercedes sitting outside our studios this morning and looks Great. Somebody won that for 100 bucks, which is is pretty cool. It's a good value. Yeah, uh it is on a car that's, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. Um and as we said, a Mercedes, which does mean something. Not a, not exactly a Yugo, you know.
1: Nice no, it's car. a little bit better a, than that.
2: It's a nice car. But anyway, appreciate it and uh and and that that event allows Mercury 1 to use every dollar they get during the rest of the year uh to help people. And so
1: another person who was not there was jody coley uh she's a volunteer at the corning community food pantry she entered a contest for an organization known as mercury one uh with a radio mm-hmm. station our affiliate wwlz 820 now glenn Beck, oh, yeah. as you may know founder of mercury one humanitarian mm-hmm. aid and education organization geared to help those in crisis around the world mm-hmm. uh the radio uh, contest contested contest. Mm-hmm. It's too early. Consisted of tickets for to Mercury One's annual fundraiser in Texas. Uh, she said, I had this voice in my head saying, buy a ticket. You're going to win. Buy a ticket. You're going to win. And so she did. When she got the phone call that she actually had won, the, t- the trip to the fundraiser, she said, I could not go. <laughs> and he asked why. And I said, because I have to pack turkey dinners for our clients here at the food pantry. Those dinners were packed Friday afternoon for over wow. 300 families. That's really cool. Really cool. Uh, the meals uh, had been scheduled to be delivered on Saturday. Uh, he, he was so impressed that somebody would turn down his trip to Dallas. I mean, I'm, I mean, I think a lot of people would have turned it down. I mean, <laughs> could come hang with us. Yeah. I, like I, yeah. I or stay like, at home and enjoy yourself. There's a contest to, for a trip to go to <laughs> Dallas. I want to donate to the charity, but how can I do it without entering? Uh, was I think the, the question on a lot of people's mind, mm-hmm. uh, he was so impressed that somebody would turn down the trip, uh, to stay here and give food out. Uh, in turn, Glenn offered Jody $5,000 to the Corning Community Food Pantry. Uh, if you missed this moment, it was really cool because, you know, it would cost you know several thousand dollars to fly him down here and put him up. And all the things that she won in the prize, instead of getting all that, it all went to her food pantry. Nice. Uh, and because every $5 donation can turn into $28 worth of food, which, again, I need to figure out how to do this. I don't know how charities do that. I mean, $5 gets to turn into $28. I need that investment. It's, it's got- magic. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be up to $28,000 uh, for uh, for the food pantry. So very cool. Very nice. cool story. Yeah. And I hope they don't spend that $28,000 at Chipotle. Because <laughs> did you see this story uh, from Chipotle over the weekend? I don't think so. So there's a viral video in which um, a fine group of African-American gentlemen decided to go into Chipotle. And they tagged their uh, video with uh, a... With this quote, can a group of young, well-established African Americans get a bite to eat after a long workout session? Chipotle. I'm going to say the answer is yes. I'm going to say yes too. Yeah, you, uh, you probably can. Fairly common, I would say, <laughs> yeah, for I,
2: people of every race <clears throat> to go to Chipotle. I've seen mm. African Americans in a Chipotle being served as I was there. Is that possible? It is possible. I, it's happened. I'm I've a, skeptic, seen it. Of are,
1: a skeptic of your claim. I'm a skeptic of your claim. It is pretty outrageous. Now, uh, Chipotle, or as uh, uh, Al Sharpton calls it, Chipotle, mm-hmm. uh, is a, uh, um, a restaurant that serves everybody. Yeah, because yep. you know, every, yes. pretty much every restaurant in America will do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but Chipotle really does it, right? Like they're they've got thousands of locations. The idea that they would not serve African Americans would be a, a questionable, Seems like a policy bad business choice. model. Yes, <laughs> we'll serve everybody. But black people, yeah, we we're not gonna we say 14% of the population, <laughs> just we just don't not want that do money, yeah. we don't want it. So, what they said, and it's on the video uh, uh, several uh, black people saying to the white manager, Hey, you know, we want our food, why won't you give us our food? And she says, Look, if you guys want your food, you're gonna have to pay first, okay? Because you know how when you go through a Chipotle mm-hmm. line, you order the food and, and you go through the whole process, and then at the end, you okay. usually pay, yeah. Uh, and in the video, she says something like, uh, look, we've seen you guys here before, okay? Again, like, look at this racist, this racist wow, manager who yeah. just said, I, we, what, have you seen their kind here before? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> so this goes viral. <laughs> right? Or is she talking about these specific people she's mm-hmm. That's an interesting seeing. question you asked there, Pat. Yeah. Is it, it's, it's one you'd think almost everyone would ask immediately, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But no, it was all about because they, she didn't like black people. So mm-hmm. this goes through the process where uh, it goes viral and chipotle picks it up they tweet oh uh, we would like to say that this is not the way we should treat people in our of course blah 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 they
3: call uh. her up uh
1: and they call the uh, uh, they get in touch with the african-american customers and they say hey uh you know what happened they tell them what happened they didn't service because we were black <laughs> and they fire the manager uh, of course sure
2: now why, s- why look into it in any meaningful way no You just accept the story at face value, right? Right. Because every single time, we believe survivors, and they're obviously survivors Mm -hmm. of intense
1: discrimination. Well, they did have a a statement that came out, Pat. Okay. Okay. Regarding what happened at the St. Paul restaurant, the manager thought these gentlemen were the same customers from Tuesday night who weren't able to pay for their meal. Wait a minute. So Hmm. they asked the manager, and the manager said, those guys were here before and didn't pay last time. That's why we need their money up front. Okay. Listen to. Regardless, this is not how we treat our customers, and as a result, the manager ha- at the restaurant ha- has been uh wait has been fired. They, that's how they they don't treat their customers as customers.
2: Right. Is pe- that what they're pe- saying? People who need to pay You don't have to pay. Right. They oh, have, That's in- interesting information for everybody going to Chipotle today.
1: Hey, can you, it's <laughs> an easy way to get a free meal. Apparently, geez. the manager has been fired. Uh, we uh, they did say. Um, because the daily caller said you know we should look at this uh this guy's social media feed see what yeah. he's been tweeting about okay here are some uh, you want some select uh, select quotes it's not a dine and dash we're just borrowing the food for a couple of hours oh my gosh uh we never have money you know me i'm here every day Mm-hmm. Uh it, it, they is what they were saying here they said they were all being stereotyped however the quotes um from the twitter feed of uh <laughs> oh god let's see they they're all over the fact in fact several 3 4 times they tweeted about going one time even going to the restaurant saying they are going to dine and dash mm-hmm. and then saying on social media, if they didn't allow it, they would say it was racism. Which they did. Which they did. And it cost somebody their job. And it worked. Wow. Now uh, apparently they and they were aware of these. They they, they said they, they were had, aware of the tweets. Yes, they and said And they fired the manager anyway? They said they had no choice but to take his word for it. <laughs> okay now after this already wow. blew up, because now they've gone through one wave of of negativity on social media yeah then they decided to fire the manager now the reverse of course has happened where everyone's saying hey what the hell this makes no sense you fired this poor woman because she was obviously doing something uh that was protecting the company not trashing it by any means yeah um she uh she has now been re or she was offered her job back Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, there's some sanity prevailing. Kind of. Would
2: you take it? Sort of. No. I wouldn't. But unless I, you know, deeply needed a job and didn't have confidence I could get oh. another one somewhere, you know, I, then I guess you go back, right?
1: I guess, you know, and I wonder, because people will will, will Google her name and what will they see? Her as a racist yeah. stopping uh, black people from eating at Chipotle. Another tweet yeah. from uh, from the person here who uh, who did the scam. Um, I, man, I think Chipotle is catching up to us. Should we change locations? He actually was publicly admitting that they were going there to steal food and they still fired the manager. It's just
2: unbelievable.
1: You know, Pat, we've been through this for so long. And, you know, conservative media, I think, was the first in this firing line, right? Where, Mm -hmm. uh, Where three or four activists would come up with a little scam to email a company a couple hundred times and act like different people. And then the company would freak out because they don't get complaint calls typically. You know, it's just an invention mm-hmm. of the social media email world where all of a sudden it was a lot easier to do that. People didn't want to take the time to write 500 letters. But when you can just kind of change wording and, you know, get some interns to send stuff out, it was easy. And these companies would get intimidated. And they, they'd freak out and they'd pull off of their, pull their advertising. It would, you know, theoretically hurt these companies. Um, and now it's just all the time. This is I, And I remember when it first started, look. It sucks right now because these companies, it's something new to them, getting all these complaint letters, getting all this attention, and eventually they're going to figure out that this it's is not the same new to 12 people. It's not. It's not new anymore, and they still haven't figured it out. Mm-hmm. These companies. Never enter these things with a skeptical eye. Every single time there's someone who writes, "Uh, I don't like being waited on by a Croatian on their receipt. (laughs) Like, oh, well, we do not stand for anti-Croatian bias here at Bob's Diner and Sausage uh, Pig in a Blanket Factory. That place... We'll, we'll fire everybody on staff until, mm-hmm. like, three days later, they realize mm-hmm. that the person wasn't Croatian or the guy wrote it on his own receipt or whatever the heck the situation is. How many times have we seen these hoaxes? It's always the same thing. People don't yep. write negative messages on on receipts. Can we just just accept that as part of life? <laughs> what? like, it's just not something They'll you always do. be found out. And yes. they know. It.
2: I mean, even if they were, even if they had the propensity to do that, they probably wouldn't because you know you're going to be seen. You've got they've got information of your of your uh of your credit card yeah. for one thing and I I don't want them screwing with that uh you're going to have negative publicity about you you're probably going to get fired from your job if you actually do it it doesn't it doesn't work out for anybody and here's another thing almost nobody feels that way like yeah. oh I'm not going to give you a tip cuz you're a person of color that doesn't happen as a rule in
1: America no it doesn't uh,
2: and we've seen that over and over and over and over again, where these are hoaxes. We just had an a, a story last week. I think we talked about it when when Glenn was here and I, I was uh, you know doing my little um, promotion thing. That uh, there was a there was a person at a university who wrote a hate message on their door, like, yep. "Hey, there! This is where a black person lives. Don't knock on the door, or whatever." And uh, it happened at the same university where just a few months ago, somebody spray painted the N-word all over their car. In both cases, it was the person uh, who claimed to be the victim that wrote the note. Of course. Or spray painted their car. Mm
1: -hmm. And that that happens all the time. All the time. This is something, I mean, we we can be helpful here, Pat. When you're trying to do a, a hate crime hoax on yourself writing it on a uh, a receipt is not a good way to go no because the person knows that you have their information with a credit card mm-hmm. um you know so they wouldn't do that mm-hmm. uh, they might they might be like there are people who are racist right they just but even don't do that
2: just don't do that right, like david Duke doesn't show
1: up he, he's not showing up at restaurants <laughs> being like by the way i was not appreciative of the african-american <laughs> server <laughs> like, that's not what they do no they they no. march with torches that's what they do they march with torches in charlottesville that's Mm -hmm. their role Mm -hmm. and they say jews will not replace us many times in case you didn't hear it they just keep repeating it that that's the approach well that's and don't
2: pretend like that's not something you're worried about too how many times have you said that jews will not replace you here i mean if i've heard that once from you i'm very concerned about jews replacing us uh pat we've said this so weird what a weird chant that was too (laughs) jews will not replace us well, what do you, well, like where, when, are you at your job
1: in the country? I like how Jews are probably like, well, we see you marching with torches. We will not replace you there. you That's all you. Uh, so no, we will not replace you in the racist march. That won't happen. Ugh. Uh, <laughs> it's right. a strange way to go. It really is. Uh,
2: Pat and Stew for Glenn. 888-727-BECK. With Pat and Stu today, 888-727-BECK. Uh, the Obamas—you'll be pleased to know—I think—that the Obamas are well on their way to becoming a billionaire brand. Oh, good! Isn't that wonderful? Yes, it finally, is so gratifying that their public service can lead to massive, untold wealth. I is so great that they've parlayed a uh, senator role and a presidential role into a billion-dollar business. Fantastic.
1: This is how it's supposed to work. Our This is exactly decided how it's supposed to work. You're supposed to go. You serve mm-hmm. for a few years. Yes. Then you get out. You become a billionaire. You're right, right. That is Because you deserve it. Mm-hmm.
2: By golly. Uh, the launch of Ms. Michelle Obama's cross-country book tour for her memoir Becoming. Now, you've been to one of these uh, rallies, right, for... For Michelle. For Michelle Obama uh, yes. and
1: her new book, Becoming? Uh-huh. Oh, yes. Uh, Flawned,
2: I've flown to several locations where she's been just so I
1: could be there in person. I'm a Michelle head myself. Uh, so <laughs> wherever she goes, I will fly into the city. Or sometimes I, I rent a bus and just follow around the country. And, yeah. she, have yeah, you yeah. seen her arms?
2: Oh, my gosh. Her arms That's are That's the main reason I do it. They're
1: fa- they're fabulous.
2: Magnificent arms. You ever
1: see them live? I mean, her, her, uh, yes. her arms live. Oh. If you've never experienced it... Folks, it's worth the front row ticket. It is. I mean, yeah, you're going to pay 35 grand yeah. to sit in that front row. But you'll <laughs> but get to see those arms. It. Yeah. It's worth it. Her arms are that good. In addition to get
2: this, she got a 65 million dollar book advance. Now, how many books would you have to sell in order for the company to
1: even break even on that? 65 million? 65 million. Wow. I mean, you're you're probably in the area of 10 to 15 million. Books and there's no way. She's is there sell.
2: any no. way? I mean, she she might sell a tenth of that. I I don't know, but it, books just don't sell that well anymore. Which is why you don't see books a million anymore. Or
1: uh, books a million. They some. I mean, they, are they? I thought yeah. they went completely out of business. No, I think you're thinking of borders. Borders did. Yeah, borders did. Yeah. Uh, so in addition
2: to the sixty-five million dollar advance and an estimated fifty million dollar deal with Netflix, which I actually read. A few I mean, weeks ago it was more like a hundred million
1: Why on earth would you want Michelle Obama designing content for Netflix I seriously they've great. got no
2: they've got no experience in that
1: the, is, I guess just lending their name to it yeah and and their relationships probably right yeah. because they'll probably be able to pull on all their celebrity friends but I mean this is a great mm-hmm. example of exactly what the founders didn't see public service as. Uh, just pass. This isn't even related to what they're doing. Yeah, it's one thing to like be able to go and raise money for uh, something that you've worked on or you have expertise in. Mm-hmm. They have no expertise in programming None. content for Netflix.
2: None. And it's a it's a huge deal. And uh, plus, you know, that's not even to mention the amount of money they're getting for their appearances. Uh, Michelle, just Michelle, you know, just she was first lady, but she's getting two hundred twenty five thousand dollars per appearance. Barack Obama is getting four hundred thousand per appearance.
3: Oh my gosh!
2: I mean, I do think. Yeah, I, I do think at a certain point you've made enough money, right? Uh, oh. I mean, Wait, what, what was that? It was. Uh, I mean, I, I do think I, at a certain point
1: you've made enough money. Oh, but not this much. Not, That's not, not, not this, this. No, no, they're
2: no. not at that point yet, uh, and I don't. It's going to be interesting to see if he ever decides they are at that point, where I've made enough money, and every every dollar I receive now will go directly to charities. I'd like to see that happen. Weird. Or to the U.S. government because, you know, he doesn't pay enough in taxes.
1: Well, it's the only charity that does any good, as far as I'm concerned, is the U.S. government. The U.S. <laughs> government is... This is what we all think. You know, you just send your money there. Let mm-hmm. them deal with it because they do a great job.
2: They're already worth, estimated by Forbes, over $135 million since they left office. $135 million. Unreal. And they're on the way to becoming a billion-dollar brand. I mean... I The hypocrisy of this income inequality, which they clearly don't believe in. They don't care how much more money they make than anybody else. And they're not. Do you think they're going to turn over the proceeds of, of their fabulous paychecks to anybody but themselves? No.
1: No, they're not. No, they're not. Uh, so, well, they'll, you know, they'll give their they'll give a certain amount out to Democratic candidates. Sure. Do you think there's any chance Michelle runs? I, I do think there's a chance there's a chance it's not it's not it's not a non-zero situation no I, it's I think not. there's a possibility because mm-hmm. and I think if she ran I think she'd have a great she chance might of winning do it. do some damage of that nomination yeah yeah all right triple eight seven two seven BECK
2: I think you'll be happy to note that Ruth Bader Ginsburg is getting back to her workout yes. regiment this week so she had the broken ribs last week or the week before. Uh, But her personal trainer claims she's right back in the gym starting today. And uh, I'm very
1: excited about that.
2: I, I hope they keep us continually abreast of every move RBG makes.
1: Now, I had Thursday in the pool where she would get back to the gym, uh, so no, I did not too, win. But she's
2: too incredible for that. She is. I was a stupid you pick on my own.
1: really underestimated her. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I don't understand this reference for Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the left.
2: It's really interesting because she's all of a sudden out of the blue. She's like this huge superstar, superhero. She's like a rock yeah. star to him now. Or
1: a rap star. Or a rap did you, star. Did you see the uh, SNL skit? I, I didn't. Now, SNL, I, I actually watched SNL this week because largely because uh, Steve Carell was hosting it mm-hmm. and uh, being an office fan, you know, I had to He's check He's so it out. good in that. He's so freaking good. The show is so good. And um, they did a little mini office reunion type of thing yeah. in there, which was the reason I wanted to watch it. But, you know, it was, I was like, eh, I'll just keep kind of flipping through the sketches. I haven't watched this in a while. First of all, I know it's a, a really bad cliche at this point. That Saturday Night Live is not funny, but it's incredible <laughs> the lengths they go to to prove it true on a weekly basis. Yeah. I, I, I am amazed. I mean, it, these people are not. I don't think it's lack of talent on on the on the staff. I don't think it's. I don't know what they do, and they have a whole week, a week. to prepare something good and they can't and if you look at their schedule if you look at some of the historian because you know, there's like big books about the history of saturday night live their schedule is so insane like they don't do anything in advance and so they try to jam it all in like on overnights on like tuesday and wednesday night and they get all the writers together and try to rework it and then the person doesn't know what it, you know how you always see like the host never really knows what's coming it seems uh-huh. like as they're saying their own lines and oh it's just awful and there's just no laughs It's incredible. I mean, I watched the entire show, and maybe there were two or three funny lines in the whole thing. Wow. It was incredible. Wow. I mean, even the part where you have four members from the office getting back together to talk about the office which is the easiest thing in the world i mean your whole mm. audience loves it like of course it's going to be hilarious no and even that they didn't get any laughs, laughs out of it it was incredible so but what i was what i wanted to bring up on this is this ruth bader ginsburg bit they did now you remember like uh the the old school andy samberg things that he would do about like magnolia bakery and they would do like the uh, um you know the the fake rap videos and yeah and he those he, were actually
2: some really of them were quality
1: some yeah. of them were brilliant yeah, yeah they were uh, so they did one of those this week, and it was about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Jeez. Now, uh, uh, again, Why? what is the Why? point of Saturday Night Live? What is it? Isn't it a funny. show where they're supposed to put jokes and things? Seems like it, yeah. So I watched this this video, and it was like two minutes, and we'll have we have a clip of it here, where they're talking about Ruth Bader Ginsburg in like a gangster rap sort of way, right? Like this hardcore rap, and they're saying they're talking about RBG but at no point does it seem that they put any jokes in it. It's just them saying really positive things in rap form about Ruth Bader Ginsburg.
2: Well, isn't that enough? Isn't isn't that what you're looking for? That's no, not, that's not what you're looking for. No. Huh. And I understand there's you're a really level
1: of absurdity where a, a you know, a rapper would be rapping about a Ruth Supreme Peter. Court justice uh-huh. and one that's particularly old. Yeah. Um and but like listen to this and tell is there any joke being made here? Listen.
3: Yeah, the yeah, yeah. sense that throws shade. Tell Trump stay
4: out her way. Don't f with my roving way. Supreme Court's a boys club. She holds it
1: down. No cares given. Who else got six movies about on this still, still living. living? She's brass knuckles tough. Her skin. I gotta be kidding me. For one out for my retired homie shit and twitter attacks from trump just broken that. ribs can't stop a boy she eats that, <inaudible> say,
0: that now you know who i am
1: i just snapped on these balls like Ball. the gins at the bar exam yep. yeah, like, uh, okay Did you hear if the, the audience is not laughing at any of it. right like, there's not a single funny thing about it stay away from my roe versus wade um you know she like it's just a gigantic propaganda piece for Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and I don't understand the fascination so here. My theory is that it's essentially a Betty White, it's the Betty White syndrome. Mm. she's old and small and cute, and mm-hmm. so they like her more, but mm-hmm. like you guys realize you had eight years of Barack Obama in that eight years. Ruth Bader Ginsburg went from what seventy six to eighty four years old mm-hmm. at any point in there can including the point by the way where they had 60 senators she could have retired and you could have replaced her with anybody she decided to stay in past her 85th birthday <laughs> so now you have this risk of her having to retire when donald trump is in office like if anything mm. you'd think the left would be annoyed at her for not leaving during barack obama After She could have easily left in 2013.
2: Because if she leaves any time during the next two
1: years, she's going to be replaced by somebody much, much more conservative. Much, much more conservative. And, you know, there's 52 or 53 Republican senators. They will get that person through. And it would be that, you know, where the Kennedy to Kavanaugh thing is, might 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 basically be a wash, probably Mm -hmm. at its worst, and might be a little bit better for conservatives at its best. Where... You know, Ginsburg, to anybody even moderate, is a huge difference. Huge. Um, and it's a fascinating to me that they would just get so excited. This She could have left. She could have hooked you up. If she would have left in 2013 at 80 years old, or whatever it would have been, they would have had... It wouldn't have been like it is now where, you know, the Merrick Garland didn't get through. They wouldn't have been able to block it for four years. So they would have been able to put a, uh, a Democratic choice in that was 48 years old, and we would have been dealing with till the end of time. Yeah. You know, you could have put a Sonia Sotomayor in there.
2: You could put somebody on there who'd be on the bench for 40 years yeah. and hates the Constitution just as much as Ruth Bader Ginsburg does. Now, does she really hate the Constitution? Well, she certainly doesn't love it. No. You ever heard her speak about the U.S. Constitution? This is a Supreme Court justice
5: whose sole
2: purpose is to defend the Constitution. And here's what she thinks of it instead.
5: You should certainly be aided by all the... Mm -hmm. constitution writing that has gone on.
2: She's speaking of, uh, I think this was around the time when Egypt was contemplating uh, a new constitution and they're asking her about that.
5: Since the end of World War II. Um, mm -hmm. I would not look to the U.S. Constitution if I were drafting a constitution in the year 2012. Think of that. Mm.
2: Here is a Supreme Court justice. Again, their only job is to defend the constitution and rule on the constitutionality of many different issues. She wouldn't even look to the U.S. Constitution for help in creating a constitution. That is amazing. I Incredible.
5: might look at the Constitution of South Africa.
2: Oh, that yeah, was yeah. A, a
5: deliberate attempt Deliberate to mm-hmm. have a fundamental instrument of government that embraced basic human rights.
3: Right. Yeah,
5: had an independent judiciary. Uh,
2: An independent judiciary. Why didn't Why didn't our founders think of that? I should have thought of that. An independent judiciary where you had I don't know. Three separate but equal branches of government. One of them is judiciary.
1: Yeah, Would that they probably came up with like a, a you know a, mm. a higher court, uh, one that was like supreme over, over other right courts. Yeah, um, like a you know one, one that could employ someone <laughs> named Ruth Bader Ginsburg, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe you know, something like and that. And
2: one that wasn't affected by uh, necessarily. Congress didn't have control over them, uh, and the executive branch didn't have control over them. It, it, they're independent in a way. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's outrageous that she thought that would be a good he thing. You should certainly be. <laughs> so. Uh, and then she finished it off by...
5: Well, I can't speak about what the Egyptian experience should be because mm-hmm. right. I'm operating under a rather old constitution. An old, it's old. The old United and tired. States, it's old. in comparison to Egypt, is uh-huh. a very new nation. New, but... And yet we have the...
2: Yeah, old,
5: the dusty. oldest... Written constitution still in force in the world.
1: Which is despicable. I mean... I hate that about us. (laughs) Isn't that the whole point? (laughs) Your your constitution is supposed to be able to hang around for a while. It's
2: endured for uh, that reason, that it was such a great document
1: that it's been able to stand up to the last 240 years. And it's also... Uh, given you a way to change it when it's you know you think it needs to change I mean there's an amendment process and it's been amendment 27 amended 27 times Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, that process has worked out pretty well we've we've righted I think a lot of the wrongs we've clarified a lot of the things that were left open Uh, there's been a lot of good things couple bad ones 16th pops into mind, mm-hmm. uh, the, the income tax, a uh, really terrible amendment. Um, but there's, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the whole prohibition thing didn't work out all that well, but we reversed that one with another amendment after that. Um, you know, there's a lot of things uh, that we're able to do. And that's, by the way, still open. There are all these people who are so upset about the Second Amendment. I mean, you can go in there and try to repeal that puppy. Good luck with it. Of course, as she's going to point out in
2: her upcoming movie, this is just one of six that we heard about, right? Mm -hmm. There's six uh, RBG movies. They've already released one of them. It was called RBG. It was a documentary about her Mm -hmm. uh, and her life. And then being released on Christmas Day is, uh, what's it called? On the Basis of Sex, I think. Yeah, On the Basis of Sex, where she's talking about women. And she points out a really uh, serious flaw in the U.S. Constitution in one part of this upcoming movie.
4: The word woman does not appear even once in the U.S. Constitution.
2: Nor does the word freedom. Your Honor. Nor does the word freedom. Your Honor. Such a powerful pause. So dramatic. (laughs) Except for the fact that the word freedom does appear in the U.S. Constitution, but you have to go all the way down to like the First Amendment but to yeah, find it. Who I gets mean, that far, who, nobody gets that far in it. So it's not surprising a Supreme Court justice didn't know. Of course, she wasn't Supreme Court justice at the time that this is being portrayed. But is that a real? Is
1: there really a guy who's like, oh, <laughs> the word woman. woman isn't in there? They don't get
2: rights. I have not been able to find that out, but I want to. That was, uh, I think, it was a Circuit Court judge. Telling her that? The word woman doesn't appear once in the cuts. Why should we give any rights to women? We all hate women. The reason I'm so disgusted by you is that your voice isn't coming from a kitchen right
3: now. I mean,
1: Uh, um, so crazy. But I want to make a case to the left that they should stop worrying about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Again, she could have left. She could have saved you a lot of hassle. By naming, you know, getting someone named who you actually liked, you could have had your Merrick Garland if Ruth Bader Ginsburg would have stepped down all those years ago. But why not? Why not Sotomayor? Sonia Sotomayor is, by most measures, slightly more liberal than Ruth Bader Ginsburg, which shows you how awful uh, she is as a Supreme Court justice. And by the way, there's several Republicans voted for her to get her uh, in. Many. Uh, It was not i think she got sixty-one votes, uh, or sixty or sixty-one. Yeah, it was sixty-one, thirty-four or something. Yeah,
2: and there were some abstentions or people who weren't there at the time. Yeah,
1: the Kavanaugh thing is not the norm. No, you know we we keep thinking about like, oh, these things are so contentious. Well, Well,
2: and Ruth Bader Ginsburg was ninety-seven to three.
1: Ninety-seven to three. Um, you know, really, it only it's only happens to Republicans. Bork. Uh, Clarence Thomas mm-hmm. um, and uh, Brett Kavanaugh being the three you'd think off right off the right off the top of your head. Not to mention, you know, Harriet Myers didn't even get to that point. <laughs> Bush had oh, like yeah. a month of Harriet Myers talk, and then it was gone. You know, with Democrats, typically what happens is a bunch of Republicans cross the aisle, and they and they they get through pretty easily. Uh, I, you know, now Merrick Garland, they keep bringing up as as an exception to that, which is uh, you know, it's, I can understand them being frustrated about that process. We talked about it at the time. But it's not the norm where this is usually going to be as contentious as Kavanaugh. But Sotomayor came out with a in an interview this weekend talking about Brett Kavanaugh, and actually it kind of gives you I don't know a little bit of hope. I mean Sotomayor has not been a disappointment when it comes to liberals. But listen to this as as far as his her relationship uh, and acceptance of Brett Kavanaugh.
3: I
4: just wanted to spend a
1: couple of so minutes, with David on Axelrod,
4: the, the moment that you think the court is in now. I know you guys are sort of cloistered but you're not cocooned. We, we came through this sort of acrimonious uh, process of, of confirmation. do you relate to alcohol. I like you beer. Have an that. I like beer. I don't know if you do. Okay. you like beer, Senator? Or not. Um, what do you like to drink? <laughs> <laughs> what you want to do is destroy this guy's life, hold this seat open. How do you view it from the inside? I mean, how does the court and family, community adjust to those moments?
0: I'm gonna steal A a line from one of my colleagues a story actually not a line and it was Justice Thomas who tells me that when he first came to the court another justice approached him and said I judge you by what you do here welcome and I repeated Mm. that story to Justice Kavanaugh when I first greeted him here Now I've known him, I've known of his work, but when you're charged with working together for most of the remainder of your life, you have to create a relationship. The nine of us are now a family. And we are a family with each of us, our own burdens and our own obligations to others. But this is our work family and it's just as important as our personal family. We probably spend more time with each other than most justices spend who have spouses with their spouses
2: hey you know who's excited about the caravan uh mexico and mexicans just love it they love this caravan we'll show you some examples of that coming up uh in just a little while
1: Today we're brought to you by Relief Factor. Relief Factor, of course, is something that is. Uh, I know Glenn has had a great experience with because you know I used to hear him whining all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm in pain. I'm in pain. Just like suck it up, get over it. We don't care. Mm-hmm. We want to make it worse. We'd say things like that to him, and that didn't mm-hmm. always heal him. Uh, Relief Factor not always uh, has done has done a lot to make him feel a lot better about his pain situation. You think about it too. Like you go through your whole life, uh, you know, and going to work every day and, and doing all the things that you do, and you know, at the end, you want to be able to relax a little bit and be able to play with your grandkids play with your kids like you know maybe do some physical work in your yard and you and you can't deal with that because of all the pain that you you acquired As you were working your whole life Uh, Don't deal with that anymore Get the three-week quick start Give Relief Factor a try It's like a dollar a day It's, uh, you know, 70% of the people who order the three-week quick start Go on to order more and more It it says a lot Get your life back with Relief Factor If you want a drug-free and natural way to ease your pain Go to relieffactor.com relieffactor.com Glenn loves this, I think you'll like it too It's relieffactor.com Glenn Beck with Pat Gray and Stu today for Glenn,
2: 888-727-BECK. You can also join me for Pat Gray Unleashed uh, every weekday morning, right before this show, immediately preceding. It's, uh, let's see, it's 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock Central, so that would be 7 to 9 Eastern. There you go. Right? Plus, time on the out. podcast. Plus, anytime mm-hmm. on the podcast. Yeah, wherever podcasts are sold, you know, for free. Uh, the caravan has made its way now, which it it seems like conspiracy talk because I was told there are thousands of miles from here and it Mm. was ridiculous to even worry about it. Ah, stop it. First of all, it's dispersed. Secondly, the ones that are still coming are thousands of miles. We don't even know they're going to be there. Well, they're here and they were, they got here last week and then there's another group that's also here and they're having some problems in Mexico, if you can believe it. Mm. Uh, Apparently the Mexicans... In Mexico don't want the Central Americans to stay there like they're telling them with love I'm sure get out go home and calling them troublemakers and calling it an illegal invasion.
1: Wow that That's very strange. strange hateful and racist well i remember the former mexican president when asked about what happens when someone comes into their country uh from a- another country uh they had a huh. s- specific policy they had kind of arranged really and it seemed similar to what things like things like donald trump says
4: huh he said if somebody sneaks in from nicaragua or some other country <coughs> in central america through the southern Honduras, border maybe. of mexico they wind up in mexico they can go get a job they no, can no. work
3: no if somebody do that without permissions We send back them. We
2: send back them. We send back them. them. If they do that without permissions, we send back
1: them. I love that clip because he he is almost like perplexed at Wolf Blitzer for the question.
2: It's almost like he doesn't understand what Wolf is really saying there. Like, hey, so your policy is such that you send everybody back, but you want our policy to be that we accept everyone. Mm -hmm. And you don't have any problem with the answer like that. That's, it's pretty amazing.
1: I, I will say that's one of those situations where you get lulled to sleep by thinking you have an easy interview. And Wolf mm-hmm. asks a great question there. I mean, the, yeah, the way I he did. phrases it, the way he delivers that question is actually really effective because I yep. think he's like, no, no. I. I no, of course. I'm on CNN, right? Like, I, he, So he thinks to himself, like, this is an easy question. I must be misunderstanding it. No, of course, we send it back. <laughs> They're not doing without permission? Of course we're sending it back. He just doesn't pick it up at all uh, that that's what we're talking about. And it's obvious. Yeah. Right? Any Any yeah. country... All countries on earth do this, right? Now, look, we take all in them. a lot of asylum seekers from all over the world, mm-hmm. and we've been doing it for a long time. By the way, the people le- leading the charge on that have been Christian charities. I don't know if anyone's noticed mm-hmm. that. And that, uh, you know, I don't know how many Code Pink has taken in over the years. Probably a lot, <laughs> I'm sure. But I mean, this has been largely done by Christian charities over the years, and it's been a big, uh, a big focus. If you've ever been to, you know, church in America— Clearly, you've probably heard many times uh, the church saying, "Hey, you know, your donations went to bring X, Y, and Z here from this war-torn region across the world." Like that's something mm-hmm. we're all very familiar with, and it's very positive. Uh, that that's different than tens of thousands of people rushing towards the border, saying, "We're going to climb walls if you don't let us in." You know, we're going to, we're going to, and they did it. They did it uh, in Mexico. Mm-hmm. They are starting to do it here. There's video of it already happening in in the United States, and it's. The idea that we're just supposed to take that and anybody who says send back them is a hate monger.
2: Yeah, or anybody As who even raises a concern about yeah. it is a fear monger and a racist, and it, it's ludicrous. Uh, the The people in Tijuana were actually singing the Mexican national anthem, telling these these migrants to go home, telling them they're not welcome there, waving Mexican flags now. If think about that, if that were citizens of this country on our side of the border doing this, something similar, singing the Star Spangled Banner, waving the American flag, can you imagine that would lead every single newscast? Mm -hmm. We would be there, would be an outcry at the UN, we'd probably be censured. Who knows? I mean, but but it's fine, um, for people in Tijuana to say that to the Central Americans, it's just really amazing. We're not supposed to have any thought for ourselves at all. Just, okay, if you need something, then just come and take it. I don't get it. We've got to consider our own well-being or we're not going to be of service to anybody on this planet. If you just allow everybody who's not doing well in the world, uh, you know, there's what, 2 billion people, according to the last report, living on less than $2 a day. Well, send them all here. Right, we just accept everybody and take care of everybody. It doesn't work because you can't. You can't accept all the world's, world's poor.
1: No, you can't. Uh, and look, the reason there's two billion people, or you know, and falling every day, that are in extreme poverty. And I think the number has actually fallen below that now. And the reason for that is, you know, us. Yeah, and and yeah. the the, the and principles put in uh, mm-hmm. by. Uh, you know, this country, the exp- this this experiment has led to that success. We've talked about these numbers before, but they really are incredible. I mean, it's it's gone. The, the number of kids dying before age five has fallen in half since 1990. This in is half not, by ni- since it's, it's 90? In, in, since wow. 1990. Think about that. Wow. This is all in our lifetime. This is all in a time where, like, it doesn't feel, you know, like ancient history. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't since 1900, since 1990. This is when, you know, uh, George W. Bush and Bill Clinton are going back and forth in a presidential election. And if you watch the Monica Lewinsky thing uh, last night, which which started airing this weekend, uh, it's, first of all, very well done. If, you, if, you're, if you're into this and you like history and you kind of want to go back and revisit that period a little bit, it's pretty interesting. Lots of really cl- a classic Rush Limbaugh clips included, by the way. Because, you know, this is when mm. Rush Limbaugh is really rising to prominence. Uh, and, you know, that whole... I mean, he was already very prominent at that point. But, I mean, you know, he, they have a lot of clips of him talking about it. It's, they, they really go back and, and dive into it. It's pretty good. But, I mean, that period is, you know, yeah, that's, that's history. It's old. You know, it's not. it doesn't feel like it was right behind us. But, you know, we, when they started, to, some, uh, it was a professor who started asking this question of all of his students who came in. Um, and he asked them the question, since 1990, has extreme poverty doubled or halved? The only two choices. I'll and bet most people said doubled. 95% said doubled. 95 Now, these are college students in a class of his. Wow. So, they're obviously already looking at wow. these things, these issues. People have absolutely had no idea that has happened. And it's because of the free market. It's because of free trade. It's because of capitalism. It's because of specialization. These are things that are mm-hmm. miracles. Mm-hmm. I mean, you would have never... In 1990, if someone said to you, by the way, we think we can cut uh, poverty by half by 2015 or 16, whatever those numbers are from... First of all, everyone on Earth would have taken the deal. And secondly, the only way anyone would have believed it was possible was if the UN started giving out free food, right? Mm -hmm. The only way anyone would have believed that. Instead, it was done in a much different way with places like China and India getting the benefits of capitalism. You know, all all that stuff where they talk about where well, uh, you know, these these sweatshops and all these companies are building these, uh, you know, slave labor camps over in these countries. That's a good part of the reason why this has happened. Right. Because those jobs that seem like slave labor to you are well-paying jobs to them. And they've been able to raise the standard of living. And you know what? Like, it, it doesn't all happen at once and we'd all love everyone to have everyone to have the flat screen TVs that we have and everyone has central air like we have and everyone would love for that to happen all at once. But it actually is happening, and we don't ever bother noticing it. Uh, Glenn has a stat that he does on the uh, on the Sage Tour, which, by the way, we're going to be in Tampa and Orlando. This is uh, not this coming Friday, but the week after, I believe it is uh, December first, second, or third, whatever that Friday and Saturday are. Um, so come out and 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 see the show. But one of the he goes through a bunch of stats, kind of like this, and one of the stats, which is amazing and it gets a gasp every single time, is the improvements that we were just talking about. You know, these taking um you know taking these kids who were dying of starvation and other terrible things and and cutting that in half over over that period it's really impressive and that's every day it's something like 17,000 kids a day that used to die now live a day wow i mean it's like uh, it's incredible but think about every shooting that happens we have had you know mass shootings recently and you know we get a few of them here every single year it's obviously terrible um, but they'll focus on that for months. I mean, it's the top story for months, how bad guns are and everything. Just the improvements that we've been talking about here is the equivalent of wiping out 630 years of gun murders. All gun murders, not mass shootings, all gun murders, 630 years worth. I, You know, and mm. does that ever get mentioned? No. Does the news ever mm. focus on that? No. Uh, I, these are absolute miracles and you know the fact that it's all happened in our lifetime and we still ignore it is fascinating. It tells us a lot about the way you know our, our minds work.
2: Yeah, we forget a lot of times uh because of our uh, you know, our lives are pretty easy compared to what first of all they are in other parts of the world because who don't have capitalism and the US constitution. And secondly, other times in history that were there there's this Harvard professor um, archaeologist and historian who just did a study on uh, what was the worst year in human history. <laughs> I like this. Now, many people would probably think, that's eh, 2018. Of course. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the year, it's it's any year in which Trump had anything to say about what goes on right. in a country or the world. It was actually the year 536 A.D. Uh, where he found bubonic <laughs> plague widespread famine, war, flu pandemics, and a a year-and-a-half-long fog that they couldn't explain that kept the Northern Hemisphere in darkness for 18 months. It was like (laughs) dusk, day and night. (laughs) They couldn't see the sun for a a year-and-a-half. And meanwhile, on the surface of the planet, people are dying from plagues from wow. famine, from drought. There was snowfall in China. Uh, Europe, the Middle East, and parts of Asia plunged into that year and a half of solid darkness by this. And at the time, they didn't have any idea what was going on. Why is this happening to us? Uh, and then you you find out, first of all, they also had a continental scale crop failure. So all of Europe had crop, crop failure and so did Asia. Hmm. And then the disease kicked in. And apparently a lot of it was triggered by a cataclysmic Icelandic eruption. So there's your global warming that caused the Earth, the the volcano, uh, <laughs> and then the drought yeah. and the severe famine mm-hmm. and the weird, mysterious uh, weirding of the weather that included a dense fog that put them in darkness. And, you know, millions of people died. And they said that they didn't recover. The Earth didn't recover from uh, this disaster. For a, a hundred years, not until 6:36 A.D. Wow Did they start to get back to where they once
1: were. And your life expectancy at this point is what 20? Probably. Twenty-two, which is yeah. probably about twenty-one years more than you wanted it to be. <laughs> like, I was right like this. I, I that I, living through these times. Can you imagine? But I mean, so there was no capitalism fog. then. There was no America yeah. then, and there was no help or no. hope for these people. No way of turning it around. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I, and you know wh- how how would you? And you're talking about what ten percent of your life, right? Probably at this point, you're just living in a fog. <laughs> yes. That's a real. That's a real rough one. Um, It's interesting. They had another uh, study that came out. And we talk about this all the time because the left loves to say this. And you know what? I will say the right likes to say it a lot, too, which is that wages have stagnated. And, you know, you look at this and there's a lot of reasons why it's not true. Um, Wages haven't really stagnated. Um, There is a there are different things that have happened as far as like, you know, more employers now spend more on health care. And so like the money coming to you has gone up quite a bit. It's just that progressives have pushed for policies in which your employer makes your decisions for what you spend your money on instead of you. You know, like, oh, well, you should have all these things covered because you're too dumb and might not buy those things if, if, the, if you're not forced to. Mm-hmm. And that's what progressives do on both sides. Because Republicans love that stat, too. They say, look, you know, it's a good way of saying when someone else is in control, well, look, yeah, you know, things might seem like it's good now, but, like, wages have stagnated since 1989. Yeah, there all terrible. the
2: jobs that are being created are bad ones. Right,
1: exactly. Now, of course, none. Of, there's not. it's not true for a bunch of reasons, but why would it even matter, right? Like, let's just say this world happens where all wages stagnate and you make the same amount of money for the rest of your life, but everything continually gets cheaper, so you have more money to spend on other things, In in a that's a good world, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't. What what does the Mm -hmm. number matter? The number doesn't matter. What can you do with a number? So there's a new study out about consumption poverty. Now this is different than income, right? So income is how much money do you have, and you start. You know, there's a scale of how much is leads to poverty. But what about things that are actually important? What are you spending money on? All of these are down by twenty percent to eighty percent between twenty and eighty percent since 1989. Now, where wages are relatively, they you know they go up and down a little bit, but they're they're not, they haven't gone up per se um, for uh, people in in the poverty uh, regions, the, the poorest twenty percent of Americans. But uh, it, uh, it, do you have a uh, wash uh, dishwasher in your house? That's dropped by between twenty and eighty percent. A clothes dryer, uh, again, this is people who don't have one. So more people. So have the amount them of people who don't
2: have them has dropped. Yes, sorry okay. for I missed this. Thing yes, with that. yes.
1: Uh, do you uh, not have a clothes washer? That has dropped between 20 and 80% if you don't have one. Uh, do you have no air conditioning? Th- those houses, again, this is among the 20, uh, 20% poorest families in America. Yeah. Uh, not, no air conditioning has dropped. Uh, large section of peeling paint on their home has dropped. Um, how about a water leak from outside the house dropped? Water leak from inside the house dropped. All of them, between 20 and 80%, again, since about 1990. So even poor, Jeez. and this and we've gone through the stats before of you know air conditioning, TV, microwave. Phones, uh, even phones, mobile phones, cell phones. Multiple cars, cell mm-hmm. phones, tablets. These are all things that Cable now hit TV. 50, 60, 90, almost 100% of our poor. Things that will be luxury items to the rest of the world. Items that you couldn't even buy if you were the richest person in the world in t- yeah. 30 years ago. A tablet, you couldn't buy it if you were Bill Gates. Right. Bill Gates had to go through a whole thing of building an entire company, get that rich, and then even after that he couldn't invent one better than somebody else <laughs> I mean that is incredible It is. We never, we never look astounding. at it that way though. We never
2: do. 888-727-BECK It's Pat and Stu for Glenn on the Glenn Beck Program
1: Are you dreading that
2: awkward Thanksgiving dinner conversation that inevitably turns to politics? Hey
4: Susan, could you pass the brown gravy
3: please? I don't know Ted, can it cross your wall of bread without oh. being turned back? Oh here we go
1: Don't get trapped, get prepared by reading Glenn Beck's new book, Addicted to Outrage. And you might want to pick up a couple of extra copies for your less enlightened family members.
3: You know, immigrants built this country. Oh,
4: I'm going to vomit. Addicted to Outrage, the new book from Glenn Beck. Available everywhere books are sold.
2: Amazing devastation. Uh, from the fires that have swept California, really just absolutely incredible. What is it 80 confirmed dead so far and still a thousand people missing
1: Ugh. that's terrifying. I mean that yeah. number of a thousand is really, unbelievable. I mean, I guess it could be two you know, people are harder to reach and they've le- the people that left might be hopefully difficult to reach but still, yeah. that's very, it's scary. There's a new story in the uh, Federalist today uh, talking about what what happened here pretty amazing. For decades, environmental protection schemes have usurped common sense. For example, most fire ecologists say the surest way of preventing massive forest fires is to use prescribed burns. We've talked about this before. Prescribed burns Mm -hmm. keep forests healthy by burning the underbrush that accumulates on the forest floor and by thinning trees. Yet for decades, the Forest Service has suppressed most fires. According to a California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection Executive Summary, land and fire management have, in many cases, increased fire hazard. Increased. Mm. In some shrub types, fire suppression appears to have shifted the fire regime away from more smaller fires towards fewer larger fires. Despite scientific evidence, the federal government continues spending more money on fire suppression than prescribed burns. Um, This uh, comes out to uh, the Forest Service only performing prescribed burns on 11.3% of the land they manage. While explaining to Mother Jones why the California wine country fires were so bad last October, fire ecologist Sasha Berleman said, we have 100 years of fire suppression that has led to this huge accumulation of fuel loads. The policy of fire suppression has created what insurance companies call mega catastrophes, which has got to be a new series on uh, history or something. <laughs> We've got to be seeing that soon. A term that describes disasters that result in insured losses of more than a billion dollars. Mega catastrophes are becoming the norm in California. In 2017, there were 5,906 fires on state and uh, private land, um, and extreme fire behavior has become more commonplace, as they're saying. The laws of the last 45 years have not only failed to protect the forest environment, they have done immeasurable harm to our forests. Says Tom McClintock, time and time again, we see vivid boundaries between the young, healthy, growing forests managed by state, local, and private landholders and the choked, dying, or burned federal forests. Every
2: time you bring that up, though, you get shouted down. Yeah. Every single time. Trump tried to bring it up and you got beat up by it, but it does seem to be true. Uh, I think tomorrow night is a... uh it's an official
1: holiday in the Bergier family, is it not? It is. Since Creed II is being released? Yes. Anytime a Rocky movie comes out, it's an official holiday in my family. And actually, so I bought tickets. You have tickets? I, I bought tickets multiple weeks ago. Yes. Multiple weeks ago. Creed II, very excited about it. In fact, the return of Ivan Drago uh, That's amazing. Yes. Very the, exciting.
2: Because Creed is fighting his
1: son, right? Yes. And now, if you remember, of course... Which is super
2: likely to happen.
1: Oh, this is I mean, the whole series is very likely to happen <laughs> unfortunately as you remember of course Apollo Creed died uh, died in the ring at the hands, at the hands of hands. Dolph Lundgren mm-hmm. right the- uh well uh, Ivan Drago right uh, Ivan. the Drago. Soviet fighter yes uh, who is there are rumors of steroid abuse in that particular story but it, <laughs> yeah, well, there were strong rumors strong rumors yeah. including footage um, but <laughs> uh, it also that movie if you remember of course uh, ended the Cold War uh, people don't uh, of course remember that uh, they no, now they give don't. credit to oh, Reagan and Thatcher whatever right. uh-huh. uh, it was it, it was all sliced alone it was Rocky for it was and so they're bringing this one back which I'm pretty excited about hopefully it doesn't <laughs> start a new Cold War maybe but maybe this is what happens that like, brings us and Russia back to I don't know. But Dolph
2: Lundgren, the original Ivan Drago, is actually in this movie, right? <laughs> He's in this one. I, I, was, I, I heard something the other day, and I thought, that can't be true. It's got to be one of those urban legends. They said Dolph Lundgren uh, has a, an IQ of 160. He's, like, super smart. 160! Yeah. That's by far genius category. That's 140, I think, or 143 or something is genius. 160 is... That's, like...
1: Einstein smart he's very very smart and it was weird because his role as Ivan Drago was obviously a big strong guy who punches a lot and yeah, says very and little is dumb Don't yeah got of, yeah kind of like Just a, a killing machine really right uh, and you know it's interesting too because he was not as you might have detected from the movie he, he had not done a lot of acting uh, previous to this, uh, <laughs> yeah, to this role did detect that yeah, but if you good, see but... in in the in the movie rocky 4 mm-hmm. when he comes out of the floor in vegas and it's james brown singing living in america and all that mm-hmm. it, it, like his reaction he says is like it was completely legitimate i was like i had no idea I, he's just standing in the middle of the ring not moving because he was terrified <laughs> like, he never seen anything like this it's pretty amazing and now he's back for this one I'm pretty excited about it. That's kind of fun. Uh, yeah. So that's going to be a big one. You saw... Did you see the new Harry Potter thing? Yeah. Fantastic Beasts, Crimes of Grindelwald. It, is it was good. Is I is liked it. Is it just related or is it part of the same story? No, or? it's the
2: same story. It's part of... It's it, It's like a prequel to the Harry Potter stuff.
1: So they went through this whole Harry Potter thing. This is the last book ever, we promise. Yep.
2: And then... And then she just started back over on the series. How could you resist?
1: Because you can't.
2: It's a you money can't. printing machine. Well, she sold... Four hundred and fifty to five hundred million copies of the books and then the movies did I don't know a billion and a half or two billion. So why would you stop that money printing machine?
1: It just sounds dumb. <laughs> Doesn't
2: it? Yeah, it
1: does. Do you think someone came and said, uh, just so you're aware, this is dumb. Uh huh. Don't stop writing them. Keep doing it. People Everyone
2: like loves, it. Yeah, people like it. So that means sixty two million over the weekend. But it costs two hundred
1: million to make, so yeah, but you have the whole... First know. of all, one of the biggest weeks of movie viewing is coming this week, up. Yeah. Right? And this yeah. one and Christmas are huge weeks. And True. this whole season... I mean, it'll do well. That'll do well.
2: Have you seen the... Have you taken the kids to The Grinch, the new one? They went yesterday while I was watching the they Eagles like lose by 611
1: points. Oh, um, wow. Uh, yes, uh, but they did like it a lot. They did like it quite a bit.
2: And then Bohemian Rhapsody, still third. And that's made uh, $127 million uh, so far. And it only cost $52 million to make. Queen is... I don't know. There's something interesting and and unique about their music, because you know people like me who grew up with it love it, but people who like my kids love it too i queen just seems like universally loved musically, and it's interesting that bohemian Rhapsody uh continues to be so popular among virtually all age groups triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three now they were talking about um the 2020 presidential election and uh, some potential Democrat candidates are being thrown out there to uh, to oppose Trump yeah and kind of gauging the audience reaction to each of
1: them so this is kind right? of interesting I, you know because you can look at it and you say a lot of people are passionate about this candidate or this candidate I found this to be really interesting 538 did a podcast in front of a live audience as a review of the election. And as you're listening to it, you find very. this is definitely a Democratic audience, which is not a huge surprise. It's. I think they did it in New York. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely a Democratic audience. And you could say someone so engaged in politics that they're thinking about this and wanting to go see a 538 podcast about the midterms. Mm-hmm. You're going to be pretty... You're going to be an activist, right? Like this is where the energy is probably yeah. in the Democratic Party. This is a non-scientific study, by the way. Um, <laughs> but I was fascinated at the reactions to the candidates. They do a... um a 2020 draft so these three uh, experts uh, claire malone nate silver and uh, micah cohen do a draft where they like it's like a fantasy football draft where they draft candidates you're trying to pick the one who actually gets the nomination okay so they go through and they're doing their picks let me give you this one first this one was i thought pretty surprising the first pick overall in the draft and just uh, the main thing here is just to listen to the crowd reactions as their names are said listen this this go with uh, this is a uh, this is the first one first picking the overall draft by the way was Claire Malone pl- uh, picking Elizabeth Warren. Okay, we're gonna have this clip here in a second for you. Um, it is a uh, you know I don't know. First of all, it's a uh, you know I don't know Claire Malone. She may be very smart, but uh, you don't pick Elizabeth Warren first in the draft. I mean, it's <laughs> no, a terrible pick. No, you don't. I mean, but I, I wouldn't say it was out of the mainstream of thought. Right? I think a lot of people no, I, would put her. Yeah. We have um, uh, the, the odds on this. Uh, the percentage chance of winning she's in the top three or four right now kamala harris is the number one you gotta be kidding me. yeah number one kamala harris number two joe biden number three bernie sanders is hillary listed in this uh for elizabeth warren what's that is hillary listed uh hillary that's a good question is hillary even listed i don't see hillary there are here. many
2: who think she's, she's gonna run again definitely running in 2020 I just can't believe it
1: all right here's the first pick of the draft listen to this so claire Who is the number one overall choice
0: in our 2020 Democratic primary draft?
4: I am sticking with my last first round choice of Elizabeth Warren.
0: Elizabeth Warren. Okay, there it is. They don't
4: like that.
2: Boy, they sure didn't they did not uh, like that <laughs> that's uh, all you got, yeah, that's it. I didn't hear a single applause
1: right now now, Elizabeth Warren was the energy, yeah, remember, I really think well, she-, she was
2: the big you know a cool hit pick in two thousand sixteen to run, and she, she of course never ran but everybody seemingly wanted her to
1: everyone wanted to she was the pick right yeah and what's interesting is i think this this whole native american thing really backfired on her in a huge way yeah and that i think it was very bad for elizabeth warren's future in politics but very good for the democratic party that she did that because they saw how she handles these tough moments and she can't handle these tough moments. Right. She's not good at this. She's going yeah. to, I mean, if there was one candidate, if you wanted Donald Trump to win and one of these top candidates to go against, I would pick Elizabeth Warren. Trump can would she destroy, would not be able to keep her. up with the no you know, there's certain people who can deal with the pressure of a Donald Trump. Yeah, she's not one like, of them. I, I keep saying Joe Biden is actually would actually be a good Counterweight to Trump because he's He can get in there he can fight he's Good at that sort of thing I'm not saying mm-hmm. he's a good He'd be a good president he wouldn't mm-hmm. but he'd be He'd be a much tougher matchup for Trump Than an Elizabeth Warren definitely um, So listen so next up is uh, is Nate Silver he's picking uh, his second Pick is Joe Biden and listen to the reaction
4: Nate Silver your choice I'm Trying to figure out if I should be tactical or not here But <laughs> I'm gonna be the honest Pick and I'm
1: gonna go with Joe Biden Joe Biden <laughs> <laughs> Tactical would have been thinking
0: that Biden is going to fall to the second. Having said that, he wouldn't pick Biden. Get him at five. Okay. So, so, um, and do you remember? I don't know the historical trends here, but you've been.
1: There seems to be more kind of laughter than uh, applause or cheering. There. Not much of anything, right? Uh -uh. Like a little laughter, and it's kind of just acknowledging. Everyone knows he's one of the front runners. Yeah. Now, uh, the next one here is the third pick of the draft. Listen. My
5: first pick is going to be. First round pick. Kamala Harris. Okay. Yeah. Pretty, yeah. Strong. Yeah. Pretty strong. Pretty strong.
1: Reaction two in, Amy in a row. Here.
3: Klobuchar.
1: There you go. Amy Klobuchar. So those Where two are in a row, they doing this. This is a, in a. It's one of. The, it's a recording of their podcast, but very Democratic audience. But
2: like, do you know what city they're? Th- th- I think it's. Did New York? you say New York? Yeah, I think it's New York. How did they even? Most people
1: don't even know who Amy Klobuchar is. Well, that's why though. Again, these are political nerds, right? Uh, the, pe- yeah. the type of yeah, people yeah. who would pick candidates like we when we when we came out with 17 candidates at the beginning of the republican convention mm-hmm. most of america had no idea who half of them were we True. all knew who all of them were yeah and we'd already gone through all of their policies and talked about it a million times um so that is so those two there Amazing. kamala harris and klobuchar back to back with really and strong reactions had in comparison. strong reactions yeah uh next up is uh, nate silver's pick
4: a member <laughs> newly elevated to the top tier is beto o'rourke oh, god. oh my god that huh. pick? Why? All right, Why bad pick?
1: Uh, that, I mean, right there, you see another big reaction. They go back yeah. and forth and argue about that one a little That's bit. That's probably the biggest reaction so far. Yeah, I would Beto. say one is there. Two is probably Klobuchar. I would yeah. say. Yep. Three, Kamala Harris, Biden, and Warren. I mean, Warren was ne- not just nothing, nothing, but really negative. I mean, yes, it was a negative. So. Oh gosh, there was almost a groan from the crowd. <laughs> uh, next pick was uh, Claire Malone's next one.
0: Claire, you're up. So I think there's only a couple people left at the top tier. And I'm going to go with Kirsten Gillibrand. Okay. Moderate. Um, Yeah.
1: Okay, you can stop. But moderate. Yeah,
0: but better
2: than
1: Elizabeth Warren and Joe Biden, probably. Right. Probably the fourth best out Mm -hmm. of there so far. Mm -hmm. Now, here's one I would have expected to have a huge reaction. Uh, Nate Silver's uh, next pick. Bernie Sanders.
0: Bernie Sanders. There he is. Okay.
1: So, so, (laughs) not much.
2: That's underwhelming.
1: Very underwhelming. Underwhelming. Right? I mean, uh, you know... You would Mm -hmm. think Bernie Sanders again was the energy, not necessarily from the political class, right? Where you'd Uh say uh, this this person can win, but the energy of the activist, the energy of this is who I want to win. Is this guy who's admitting he's a socialist?
2: Of the way I felt about Rick Santorum the first time, compared to Rick Santorum the second time. (laughs) I was really excited about him. The and time. then
1: not so much the second time. Yeah. Maybe that's how they feel about Sanders. That's an interesting point. Like yeah. he's he's already been there because you can get the that, same policies work. from Kamala Harris. Yeah. And she's new and, and she's Beto female O'Rourke. and young, Beto O'Rourke who's mm-hmm. younger, you know, a good campaigner. You yep. can get those things out of other candidates. Yes. And no longer do you need that first run to justify a second run. Right. Like we've seen right. this with Barack Obama. I mean, Donald Trump obviously had and, you know, kind of flirted with a run for a long time. But, you know, it was not a, he didn't you don't have to lose. Like, I would think the same thing would happen to Cruz in 2024. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if mm-hmm. Cruz tries to run again in 2024, people are going to find somebody else who has a similar policy set and rather pick him. We've already done this with Cruz. People are, get bored too fast now. It's not like the yeah. days. I mean, what would have happened with Reagan? if Reagan had lost that election like he did back in 76, mm-hmm. would he have been able to come back in 80? I don't know. I don't know. I think a lot of people would have been like, ah, we're bored with him. He's, he's old and we've already dealt with that. Yeah. I think people get sick of things too fast now. I think so. Um, next up, uh, and the rest of these are, there's a couple funny ones. Can we k- skip to uh, Claire Malone's next pick? Because Claire Malone picks Cory Booker. And the-, <laughs> the
3: last of the,
4: of the top tier, which is Cory Booker.
1: Okay
3: um and comp- and
2: completing your <laughs> nope
1: they're nope we're not interested thank we, you i don't know how much analysis we kept to that one but uh their analysis was very much like trying to justify a way to think that he's in the top tier he's not in the yeah, top tier he's not he is terrible he, he, right he's terrible he's a terrible candidate it's not going to work for cory unfortunately for no, him. no. Uh, but fortunately for all of us <laughs> So, there you go. Uh, the, some of the picks uh, coming up for 2020. 888-727-BECK is the phone number. It's uh, Pat and Stu in for Glenn Beck on the Glenn Beck Program.
2: Pat and Stu for Glenn on the Glenn Beck Program. Triple eight seven two beck So, it's finally been decided in Georgia and Florida. Uh, the race for the governor of both states is over. Went to the Republicans. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Senate race has been decided in favor of Rick Scott, the Republican. I
1: gotta so. say, Rick Scott's the man. This mm-hmm. guy has knocked off a, a bunch of really well-known politicians <laughs> and a, in, and people who've been around forever in Florida. Yeah, this guy is. He's pulled off a lot of tough races. Who did he beat State.
2: before Bill Nelson for the uh, Charlie Crist? He
1: beat. That's once. right, Crist. Yeah, and he beat somebody yeah, yeah. else too before that uh, in a, in an upset. All of his races have been at least at some point considered long shots. It's and impressive. Yeah, he's done. A, he's That's
2: pretty amazing. Everybody kind of gave him up for dead in this campaign too. They just they thought that uh, he was not going to make it, and he did. So uh, that worked out really well. Also on the congressional side, there's another battle that's been going on, and I thought was decided, but apparently not. Mia Love in Utah, and you would think, okay, Utah's not going to elect a Republican, no matter. I mean, a Democrat, no matter what. Well, it looked like they did.
1: Well, and that had race, had, there had been close races there before. I mean, her her previous elections were pretty close. There are some close yeah, ones Yeah, because it have. is,
2: I mean, it's probably the most Democrat area of the state of Utah that, that uh, exists. But uh, the president gave her up for lost <laughs> and was kind of gloating about it because she didn't want him to campaign for her. And so he said, Mia Love showed me no love and...
1: And she lost. She, but now it does not look like she lost. Now it doesn't look like she lost. She
2: actually <laughs> pulled ahead by four hundred and nineteen votes in two hundred and fifty to three hundred thousand cast. She's ahead by four hundred and nineteen. <laughs> and it's she, But really she was closed. down by several was thousand
1: yeah. at one point and, and chipped away for this entire time. Now, there's still a lot of provisional ballots. To thousands be, yeah, of them. Thousand, I think it's, mm-hmm. I want to say it's tens of thousands of provisional ballots. No one knows what's in them. I mean, it's mm-hmm. really, she could still lose. She yeah. could. Yes. Uh, but it's good to see that she came back.
2: It is. Yeah. Uh, so she has a shot there. And uh, that would be nice not to lose yet another seat that should be pretty solid. You would think Republican, although... You know, a lot of Californians moved into that area just ruined every election. Uh, so we'll see. We'll keep an eye on that. Um, but uh, it may not be as bleak in, in the Congress as, as we once thought. 888-727-BECK.
1: Our sponsor is Home Title Lock. If you have ever had a situation where uh, you get some weird stuff in the mail, you're worried about uh, all these threats to your money and your uh, your identity, That's part of it, but you need to start considering a new threat. It's called home title fraud. It's one of the fastest growing crimes in America. And uh, I I discovered this a few months ago and started reading up on it. It's a scary Scary. thing. Yeah, because they can just take control of your mortgage and your title Mm -hmm. and then start borrowing money against your equity. That's your money, and you get stuck with the bill. It's a real hole in the system, uh, and there's really no way to fill it right now unless you trust local governments to be able to decipher these things well. Uh, They don't. So you need to go with Home Title Lock. Home Title Lock puts a virtual barrier around your home's title and mortgage for pennies a day. As soon as they detect any tampering, they can just get it out of there for you. And if you uh, are worried about whether you're a victim of this already, they have a $100 search. But this is absolutely free if you go to HomeTitleLock.com and sign up now. It's your biggest investment. Uh, It's your nest egg. It's everything you've worked for probably your entire life. If you're like most people, HomeTitleLock.com is the place to go to protect it. HomeTitleLock.com.
2: Glenn Beck. Pat and Stu for Glenn on uh, the Glenn Beck program. You can also join me for my uh, show every weekday uh, at, uh, well, it's early. It's right immediately preceding uh, this show on the Blaze Radio and TV network. And then, of course, listen anytime you want if you don't want to get up that early um, by just downloading the podcast. Uh, 888-727-BECK. Uh, looks like Eric Swalwell, who is a uh, Democrat representative from California, uh, huge name, huge name. Mm-hmm. He's just trying to get his name out there now. I think because is he considering? Is he actually considering a run for the presidency? Yes. It Nobody does knows who this way. guy is,
1: right? No, but I mean that's this is the way you solve that, right? <laughs> yes. Like you go and you run for president, and you're one of the first ones out there, so there's no one really, el- no one yet to discuss. Like Kamala Harris hasn't announced yet. Beto O'Rourke hasn't announced yet. So instead, you take uh, Eric Swalwell as the only guy who (laughs) you can get on TV who's running for president in 2020, and he'll have that, like, until January, he probably has that pretty much locked up. So people will talk about him, and of course... And they'll especially talk about him
2: now, because he's talking gun control, Mm -hmm. uh, in a way that few ever have, uh, which is kind of amazing. He was advocating for gun control, confiscation, confiscation policies. So Dana Lash, Dana tweeted out... Uh, that high-ranking Democrat Eric Swalwell calls for confiscation of semi-automatic rifles, using fifteen billion dollars of taxpayer dollars to do it, and proposes criminally prosecuting those who don't participate. Swalwell tweeted out, "She's not lying." So he confirmed it. Mm-hmm. We, should have ri- we should ban assault. We should ban assault weapons by buying them back or restricting them to gun ranges and gun clubs mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so then a second amendment advocate Joe Biggs uh, responded uh, saying that gun confiscation just wouldn't be good policy because it I don't know might spark an insurrection <laughs> yeah he said so basically Representative Swalwell wants a war because that's what you would get you're out of your effing mind if you think I'll give up my rights and give the government all the power <laughs> Swalwell then t- tweeted out and it would be a short war my friend the government
1: has nukes. Ugh. Too many of them, but they're legit. Uh, okay. Uh, this is like his way of trying. I want activists to like me. So I will uh, say I'm for confiscation of guns, and then I'll say all the dumb liberal talking points and throw mm-hmm. in an anti-nuclear weapon commentary in the middle of it. <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm against them, but obviously we would use them against Second Amendment advocates if they try to keep their guns. It's hard to. You
2: know, in this country, it's kind of hard to separate killing the gun rights advocates, but at the same time not killing your constituents who agree with you uh, and don't have the same policies as the gun rights people. You know, maybe you got a lot of, if you're going to start nuking places, mm-hmm. nukes are kind of indiscriminate. They yeah. just, they kill everybody in the area. This is the, uh, so uh,
1: we're, we're walking around the uh, single dumbest point in <laughs> the gun debate. And it's not, he's not alone making it. A lot of uh, left-wing people say these sorts of things. Because the first thing you get is, well, what, what about like, do they have tanks? They usually say tanks is usually where they go. Now, mm-hmm. nukes is an interesting one because just on its face nuking american cities right like nuke. first of all as you point out pat you would kill a lot of people who are your allies uh-huh. right because they all we all live with mm-hmm. each other like they're right. gun owners in every community yeah we don't have
2: separate areas for gun owners <laughs> no. as opposed to not
1: <laughs> no that's not the way it works no um so nuking a, an area would be would be difficult <laughs> and and kind of
2: counterproductive because yeah then you kind of lose access to that area well, for that's the point
1: if you're In this scenario, where the government is rebelling against, uh, you know, against all constitutional principle and making war against its people, its own people, Mm -hmm. the the goal there is to be able to rule the country, right? Yeah. So you want to rule a nuclear wasteland? (laughs) Like, what's the point? (laughs) What is your incentive here, right? Uh, Stupid. I mean, you, you you don't. That's not the way people handle it. I mean, think of how go to the worst. I mean, every single terrible time where uh, you know, mostly communists or fascist regimes have rounded up people or wanted to eliminate a group of people, there's never a point in which they drop their largest weapon on a city. <laughs> no, right? like that's not, not a thing. Their own city. No, because you always have people, and you want to protect the infrastructure, and you like nukes is is a is a really dumb argument, but it's a germ so of this of another dumb argument that doesn't get the stupidity it it it, it deserves, uh, because the idea that people will say, well um you have uh, an AR15 and the government has tanks and bazookas and cannons and all the mm-hmm. you know anti-aircraft weapons and all the important things that they have artillery from well, they can shoot you from hundreds of miles away and it's the idea that like if you picture i always in the, every time i hear this argument i picture the same thing which is i think it's what mel is it the patriot the, Bill, the mel mm-hmm. gibson movie and you know, the, the troops are rolling up to his house and like what's he going to do they got like 9 million got people with guns he he has to protect his kid uh, you know, and his kid is like doing really stupid things and gets himself shot. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and you're thinking to yourself, well, how would this guy defend himself? If I just had my AR-15, they came, the government comes down the driveway with 20 tanks. I'm not going to win. Well, no. And that's that's why they make that point like that, because they want you to think of that scenario, which is not how it works. Mm. In reality, I'll give you an example that liberals can completely understand because they complain about it constantly. Why do giant, incredibly well uh, um, uh, equipped militaries get in quagmires around the world? We always hear this from uh, the left. You know, Iraq's a quagmire and Afghanistan is a quagmire. Mm-hmm. Afghanistan it doesn't have nuclear weapons, they don't have the things that could fight back against uh, a, a real Not military a lot of like tanks ours. Either not a lot of tanks not a lot they they have some small arms Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and the problem is going door to door to try to overturn a country where there's hundreds of millions of guns is impossible yeah you would just be in constant war for eternity right you can't like it's hard for us the u.s military to go into a, a bunch of farmers and, mm-hmm. and and you know opioid farmers in the middle of uh in the middle of afghanistan and the same thing happened to the soviet union we all know from the princess bride mm-hmm. the second dumbest thing is a land war in asia <laughs> but only slightly oh, that's the dumbest thing and this only slightly behind that is a you know a battle of wits with a sicilian <laughs> when death is at hand or whatever we know that the dumbest thing on that list was a land war in asia yeah and it's not yeah. because we don't have nukes we could just nuke afghanistan Right. We could drop nukes Mm -hmm. all over it. We don't even have to live there and we still don't do it. We would not do that here. And the Second Amendment is an incredible defense against the incentive to want to do this to your people. You don't want to go after and round up your people because it's impossible. All your soldiers are going to get shot. If you are the Nazi regime and you take over the United States of America, you're going to have to deal with 400 million guns. Well, yeah, that's the other element
2: is not our government, but some other government trying a U.S. invasion. Well, if you've got 350 million guns out there, Mm -hmm. uh, that invasion's not going to go very well because people are going to defend themselves. Yep. And you're going to be in a... Continual guerrilla war, continual, with with the citizens of this country fighting against, you know, a foreign power that was here. Yeah, I and mean, people are like, "Well, that's
1: never going to happen here." Probably not. You know why? Because of the Second because, Amendment.
2: Yes, exactly. Because there's
1: no reason exactly. a government would ever
2: make the decision to do it here. So it's not just defense against our government. It's a defense against anybody's
1: yeah. government trying to oppress us, trying to trying to usurp our rights. Anyone who would want access to the land. Yeah, you can, if you're hmm. the Soviet Union, you can fire uh, nuclear weapons around the world and blow things up here. In theory, if, if somehow we were not going to respond to that, mm-hmm. maybe that would seem like a good idea to you to, to take out a threat. But if you want any access to the land, there's no reason to do that. You're going to ruin it. You're going to make it so it's uh, uninhabitable, and you're not going to get anything out of it. The point is, you know, the Second Amendment is a great defense against a tyrannical government. For that reason, it's impossible to go door to door. How would you do it? You go. You go to places people would have things hidden. Mm-hmm. You, you'd never be able to do it. And you would. You would, of course, in this scenario, this you know, long shot scenario. Um you would never be incentivized to attempt to do it because of these reasons, because the guns are in the people's hands.
2: Glenn's talked many times about um, the I think it was the Soviet Union's plans for a possible invasion of the United States mm-hmm. and where they would launch from where they would launch that. And I, I think it involved Canada and it involved um, California, uh, California, mm-hmm. Arizona, New Mexico going through the southern border and going that way or the Canadian border. And the one place it didn't involve going into was Texas. (laughs) Right. Why? Because Texans have guns. Yeah. And that wouldn't be advisable. It it would not. They would use them. And by the way,
1: confiscation. I mean, I'm quite a dumb. I mean, the buyback thing is just it's just confiscation and compensation. Yeah. Like, that's all it is. Like, they're just paying you to confiscate. Because it's it's mandatory. Right. It's mandatory. It's confiscation. But I mean, they tried this in Australia and it did not do anything. They did this after a mass shooting in Australia. Uh, And you get a little cash, but you lose, of course, your fundamental right to protect yourself, which I'm not willing Mm -hmm. to to give up. Um, 2008 study about this, a University of Melbourne concluded that, quote, there is little evidence to suggest that the Australian mandatory gun buyback program had any significant effects on firearm homicide. Another study said, quote, the Mm -hmm. gun buyback and restrictive legislative changes had no influence on firearm homicide in Australia. (laughs) They went and bought up. Now, remember, this would be it's unbelievable this is be they would have had in you know in australia they did about it was between 20 and 35 percent of all guns on the streets now in australia that was six hundred fifty thousand huh. guns here you're talking about a hundred million guns or more you know that you're not getting a hundred million guns what did he say 15 billion dollars yeah uh, you're not getting that sort of level and no. you would still leave 300 million guns on the streets and again And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. The policy doesn't
2: work to the end that you're looking for. You don't get the result that you want, which is no gun violence. That happened in Australia and it happened in the UK. Yep. The same thing. In fact, the gun violence went up 300% in the initial years after the confiscation. And then uh, it kind of leveled out and it's gone up and down since, but it's about the same as it was now. It's now about the same as it was before the
1: confiscation. So
2: it did nothing. Yeah, it, for does it. nothing.
1: It, it does nothing. It does nothing. It doesn't. And you know this idea that you're going to stop these uh, situations um, by you know, getting rid of quote unquote assault weapons and all these like BS terms that don't actually mean anything. I mean, assault weapons are relatively expensive, right? Mm-hmm. So if you go and you go buy, you bought a AR-15, right? Yeah. Uh, what was it like twelve, thirteen hundred dollars, fifteen hundred dollars? I mean, yeah. they're pretty expensive. Yeah, fifteen weapons. or sixteen, I think. Yeah. Now, at wh- the time I bought it. At the time you bought it. Because there was kind of panic at the time. Yes. Um, but, you know, that's a relatively normal price, I think. You know, you're talking about over $1,000 for an mm-hmm. AR 15, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you stopped selling AR 15s and people had $1,000 to spend on guns, what they would probably do is buy two or three other guns, right? Like you're going yeah. to go and buy two or three handguns or whatever it is, and you're going to wind up as what the same thing that happened, by the way, last time they tried this in the United States, an assault weapon ban. There were more guns at the end of it than at the beginning of it, because people just go in and buy more guns.
2: It's silly. It really is. By the way, I just for your own edification and information. Sure, I don't have that AR-15 anymore. I I, I don't even know what happened to it. It's gone. It's weird. It's gone. It's gone. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. If somebody took it or what? Well, I don't you? have it anymore. I don't have any weapons. Oh really? They're completely gone from my home now. Yeah. Really
1: weird. Is it anything to do with us so being anybody, on national
2: radio? And uh, no, I'm sure not. Um, hmm. I, they'd be gone regardless. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, yeah. But if anybody were to come and try to confiscate them, there's no guns there to confiscate. Oh, the, that's okay. the so issue. They don't, no
1: need to stop by no your place. No need to stop by my house. Oh, that's good. I don't have any guns. You saved the government a lot of time yeah, here. That's what I wanted have, to do because yeah.
2: mm-hmm. they've only got 15 billion for confiscation. So 15 billion <laughs> that wouldn't last a, a week. <laughs> it no, it wouldn't. Of, of, of trying to do this. Oh, it plus the unreal the chaos that would cause would be
1: whew, uh here would be i mean it it'd was. be ugly not to mention too the, the funny thing about this is the people that would give up their guns for money are not the people that w- you, or, or you have to worry about if you try start trying to confiscate guns mm-hmm. and also they're not mm-hmm. the people who are going to uh, do mass shootings Right. Like a person who's like, ah, I don't need this gun. They're going to give me two hundred dollars for it. "Ah, I'll turn that in and take the two hundred. That's not a person who's like going to do a mass shooting. Right. (laughs) No, you're not taking away weapons from people who might use them in a bad way. The person who is going to do a mass shooting like this, uh, you know, this terrible situation we recently had uh, uh, in the in the bar, the country bar in California. That person was willing to give his life Mm. to make that statement. Again, $200 buyback. You know, he wasn't like, ah, should I turn this in or should I go shoot 15 people in a restaurant? Like, there wasn't a, a debate, an internal debate on that one. You're no. going to take guns away from people who might use them in a good way. And uh, and then the people who might use them in a bad way have no no pushback. None mm-hmm. of this makes sense. No. None of it.
2: No, it does not seven B beck It's Pat and Stu for Glenn on the Glenn Beck program. Pat and Stu for Glenn, 888-727-BECK. You know, I've been waiting for somebody in the press, someone in the media to say anything negative about Jim Acosta because Jim Acosta just soaked up all the oxygen in the room and uh, for his own benefit uh, stole the limelight, wouldn't let anybody else speak at the press conference in question, continued to uh, ask question after question, even though the president of the United States told him to sit down, we're going to somebody else. Refused to yield, wouldn't allow his colleagues to ask questions, and the rest of the press just seemed to fall in line. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jim's a great guy. It's a great thing to do. He's just great. He's just really great, and uh, I stand with Jim because it's just impressive to take away his press. And by the way, they took away his hard pass. Well, just go apply for the daily pass. Just right. get the daily pass, which they what would have given you.
1: Most organizations have to do, by the way. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you know the blaze had uh, had someone there, that's what they had to do. You had to apply to get go one every one day there. and get one. Mm-hmm. And then, did he ever get called on? No, I don't think. I don't think even once. I don't think even once. Certainly not by the president. Maybe, maybe by the press secretary once. I don't. I don't know. Maybe but not once.
2: the. Yeah, the president never once called on him. No. Um. So Acosta gets called on all the time, and then he dominates uh the questions you're supposed to get one question maybe a follow up
1: this guy asked i don't know three or four or five questions yeah and i you know look i, I kind of don't like the taking away the past cuz it's just it's just elevated him to this martyr status which mm-hmm. is kind of annoying me cuz it's what he wants yeah it is uh but i you know if i'm the president i'm just never Never, never calling him calling again on him again it'd be awesome just ignore him. although i will say i was listening to a show called pat gray unleash this morning yes and keith uh was on with you and, and mm-hmm. i kind of like his suggestion too which was calling, calling him, him every time, time. <laughs> take it just keep asking until he runs out of questions <laughs> and do it every single time so no one else in the press corps gets another question <laughs> just keep going back to jim acosta <laughs> and then see how they like and it. and then see how they like it yeah that, that's why yeah. you I'm, still support him i'm surprised they aren't pushing back on that front because yeah. Jim Acosta is just trying to yeah, monopolize yeah. the time for his own ego and all these other reporters who are somehow able to play within the rules get no benefit out of it.
2: And they're backing Acosta because they all hate the president too. Yeah. Well, uh, Major Garrett at CBS didn't play that game.
4: Well, rough and tumble there. It can be rough and tumble at times at the White House but it is a place of institutional heft and commands institutional respect. Mm-hmm. And I will say on my behalf the previous press conference we had with President Trump in the Rose Garden, the president looked at me. I thought he called on me. I stood up. The White House aide handed me the microphone. I began to speak to the President of the United States. President Trump looked at me and said, "No, behind you, Caitlin." <laughs> Caitlin, with uh CNN, Caitlin Collins. With
1: CNN,
3: by the way, and yes. So
4: I, so I, I said, "Oh," and what did I do? I handed back the microphone. Right. Now, some of my colleagues might say, "What'd you do that for?" You you have the microphone, you have a voice, you can speak. The President of the United States said, Not you. To my way of thinking, that's enough. The President said I didn't call on you, I called on somebody else. All right then. Yeah. And I didn't get a press I didn't get a question in that press conference. Some mm-hmm. might say, Well, you laid down and you were too deferential. I don't I don't feel that way. I stood up, the President of the United States said, No, I don't mean you, I mean somebody else, another one of your colleagues. So I deferred. Yeah hoping he might call on me again. He didn't. That's how I orient myself mm. to the institution. That's great. And the person who occupies that institution mm. is chosen by the country. And I respect the institution and the country's choice. Yep. And I'm there to, on behalf of everyone, ask questions, and most importantly, Larry, get answers. Yeah.
2: So that, that shows respect for not just the president, but his his colleagues mm. as well. Uh, it's, uh Great point of view, I think. I'm amazed that, that someone actually said that. Me too. That Me seems too, pretty no, obvious, I think. Yeah. Uh, nobody else had the giblets to do it, though. 888-727-BECK. With Pat and Stu for Glenn. Uh, big article in the Politico, uh today about Beto O'Rourke, who has just captured the imagination of Democrats everywhere. They just, they love this guy. I don't really know why. I, I don't. I mean, I know he raised a lot of money, and he ran a campaign that came close, that brought a Democrat close to the Republican in Texas, and that can't happen, uh, but he made it happen. And, you know, he's a former punk rock performer, <laughs> by the way, it was terrible. I mean, if you've ever seen or heard any of his music or watched them on uh, on TV, they did a... a, a uh, they did an appearance on El Paso television in the 90s oh my gosh it was awful
1: horrible and he was his name was Bob yeah it was Bob mm-hmm.
2: yeah because his actual name is Bob or Robert Francis O'Rourke anyway he uh has captured the imagination and everybody thinks that he's the guy for 2020 um they think that if he if he runs he could beat Donald Trump uh, he did raise over seventy million for a Senate run in Texas. This is the largest sum ever raised in a Senate campaign? Uh, he did come close to Ted Cruz. He, lo- he only lost fifty-one to forty-eight percent, and they think that maybe that was better than him actually winning. Because you don't well, have
1: to turn around and run for president again, really soon. Right? Because if he won senator, he he would have to six months after his first, you know, senate came, his senate seat, you know, he added, He'd have to announce right away. This way, he's already been in, he's mm-hmm. been in Congress for a while. People think he's an outsider. He's not. Um, but uh, he he is one of those guys who, if he had won the senate seat, he would have to at least fake that he wanted to be, <laughs> be senator for a couple of days, <laughs> right. right? I mean, because even Barack Obama, his speech was two thousand four, right? and when he won Was yes. it or was in 2004 2006
2: yeah. well he did the he did the democratic uh national
1: convention in 2004 four right that That's was right. kind of his coming out party his coming out party and then so in and 2007 then, uh, seven he announced so he had yes. done two he had two years of being a senator before he announced running for president yeah and then in, in 2008 he obviously won the presidency where here you'd be doing it six months after you took the job now it's not out of the question that he could still win, but that's a tough sell. Here, with mm-hmm. it, he's already been a congressman for a long time. He's not coming from no experience. He's he's just a government guy. He's just you didn't know about him before. So there's a there's a clearer path there. Um, and, uh, and we talked about the um, about the Cruz campaign quite a bit as that was going on. Uh, did you see the comments by uh, Jeff Rowe, who was the who was the campaign manager for Ted Cruz? no he was uh, after that election said this guy's incredibly dangerous like beto. he is going to be hard to beat i don't we we had to kill ourselves to beat him by three points in texas like this guy yeah. is serious this is going to be really hard if he runs he was he was very um complimentary of beto as a candidate because he he, I mean, look, that, he's got some kind of appeal. Yeah, someone you know. Remember the whole Wendy Davis thing. Mm-hmm. And Wendy Davis was a candidate, abortion Barbie, abortion Barbie, she was known as in Texas, and she just fought really hard for this like third term abortion. And she got thing. killed, uh, and she got she had thirty seven percent of the vote, something like that. Yeah. And Beto got forty eight point three. Yeah. I mean, that is, yeah. in Texas, it's a hard lot I mean, he ran a good campaign. Now, a lot of that he had did. to do with raising money, but that's also a big part of it, right? Mm-hmm. That is uh, that is part of campaigning. You need to have somebody who can do that. And he did. And he, he did, did that. that.
2: And he had enough money to where he bought every commercial, I think, on Spotify. My wife listens to Spotify a lot. And, and every time <laughs> there was a commercial break, it was him. Really? Virtually every commercial. Time. Again,
1: I believe it's nine ninety five a month, uh, unlimited. You don't have to have any commercial on I know, she's just
2: so... I'll say thrifty, thrifty, thrifty.
1: thrifty. Yeah. Yes, I will say she's not willing to do that. But i even if you are thrifty, you don't want to turn <laughs> off. the let, let me put it another way: nine ninety five to get rid of Beto. I know I was I would willing do to do it.
2: Mm-hmm. Let me let's upgrade right now,
1: right now, and stop this madness. Even she if, if do it, even if Beto wasn't running the ads, I think Spotify mm. could get a, get away with just doing that to convert people to premium <laughs> subscribers. They probably like every Republican in Texas. Wow, we have a real surge <laughs> yes. in Texas with subscribers. It's amazing. And then on
2: local TV, he was everywhere. He was he was absolutely omnipresent. You couldn't escape him. I I rarely saw a Ted Cruz commercial. I always saw Beto yeah. commercials over and oh, over so and over.
1: Money. So much money.
2: Yeah. So and I think he he must have spent almost every dime. And they asked him at one point along the way after they after everybody heard that he raised thirty eight million dollars just in the last quarter. Which is more than even Obama raised in his last quarter as a presidential candidate. he said they asked him, well are you you know you got so much money? you're gonna share with other Democrats? Nope? Nope, Of course not. This is all for me and all for Texas.
1: Oh okay, well, well, it's all for Texas until he runs his national campaign Was exactly. it, you have 10 million left over he said. I think he yeah, that the yeah 10, I think it is ten million dollars that he can so he's got a nice little seed to start his campaign. People really believe he's going to do it. This is the best circumstance because he lost in a close election. He and showed, he said
2: no, but he's going to, right? I mean, I don't you believe he's going I th- to.
1: I think, I think so. He will. I mean, if nothing else, he's going to be absolutely on the top of the list for VP candidates at the very like. If if Joe mm-hmm. Biden, let's say, wins the nomination, which is a possibility, as crazy as it seems, mm-hmm. he's still probably leading most of the polls right now. Joe freaking Biden. Um, you know, but in that world, Beto O'Rourke is the type of person you could totally see Biden taking, right? Someone f- from the South who's younger, kind of gets you that next generation of 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 Democrat. Two white guys, though. Yeah. Well, it, That's a problem. It, no it, diversity it, it, in that ticket. There's an interesting battle on that one right now, because usually, like, what Republicans or what Democrats want to do is find the most exotic candidate, yeah. right? Like, and they, diversity. They want... Uh, this is what they're talking about with, you know, we've got... You want diversity. You want uh, different genders, different races, different uh, sexual preferences, whatever it is. But there's an argument made, and, and probably most famously by Michael Avenatti, who is obviously a you know persona non grata now. I mean, he's you no know, one. They don't mm-hmm. like him anymore. But he made the point, and this is something that is really out there for for Democrats, and it's a real conversation happening in these circles. Which is the reason we lost to Trump is because all we do is talk about diversity and all we do is put up candidates that look Uh different Uh and we can't i'm going to say this in the more in a more conservative friendly way but essentially what they're saying is we can't fool the middle of the road independent with our socialism unless we give them someone they can relate to and be familiar to like
2: a
3: beto
1: like a beto so you take some Mm -hmm. white dude Mm-hmm. The white dude argument right now is strong hmm. because they think. Now again, think put yourself in the in the argument of a progressive. If you're your mindset of a progressive, where you are saying, well, look, in our cities, we're all diverse and understanding. But then there's those dumb people, those dumb people in the middle of the country, and unfortunately, oh, the, Hicks, yeah. the rednecks yeah. that are so racist. Yeah, yeah, those people, they're racist and they hate women. Yeah, right. We can't mm-hmm. win any of these votes. That's how Trump won. He was able to appeal. To the, 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 those people who policy-wise probably don't care all that much, but they are, you know, they're racists and they're sexists and they don't want some woman running the country. They want a white man. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is to pick a white man with socialist policies, right? Now, Bernie Sanders is, you know, 647 years old. I don't think he really fits into there. But like a Joe Biden, where like you get a guy who's going to put, you know, mostly mainstream democratic policies in there. Or a Beto who's going to go even further to almost democratic socialist level policies? Yeah, you put it in there with the a familiar package in progressives' minds. That's a good idea. You know, again, they they think very little of the Ohio voter, the Michigan voter. Uh, they they, they just think they're a bunch of racists. Who, the Texas voter, yeah, the Texas voter, they hate them. Yeah. So instead, you get put somebody in a package that can be accepted by evil racists, but throw the policies that we want in there. That's a winning combination. Yeah, they think if yeah. if you put a let's say Kamala Harris or a Cory Booker in there, sure, all their policies are a hundred percent right, but all those evil white people will vote against Cory Booker because he's black. Now, this is a ridiculous <laughs> understanding in the United States of America, but it is something it is. they're really discussing. It is. It is something a real debate on the Democratic side right now, and it's it's why Beto is so is so is so tempting to them because if he can get up there and you know, put a nice face, a happy face on socialism as a white guy, people in Texas might vote for him. And that's exactly what he did this campaign. Mm-hmm. He never
2: said, you know, I'm a democratic socialist. He, he would deny that. And, but all of his policies were, what were they? They were universal health care, mm-hmm. Medicare for all, mm-hmm. they were u- universal college education, free for all. Um, and I don't know if he adopted, I never heard him talk about the uh, guaranteed income. That uh, Ocasio-Cortez talks about.
1: I think uh, even Gillibrand's on that now.
2: But they're they're all jumping on that bandwagon. Mm -hmm. You know, they keep saying, is there room for uh, socialists in the Democrat Party? What do you mean? Is there room for Democrats in the Democrat Party? (laughs) The socialists have taken it over. That's
1: true. It really is. I mean, that's really where the influence is. I mean, listen, but like, again, we get down this road and sometimes uh, this stuff happens where things change you know beto o'rourke might uh rise above but listen this is the most recent poll of 2020 uh candidates for the democrats okay and do
2: they include beto
1: uh he's in here yes all right so at one percent amy klobuchar kirsten gilderbrand michael avenatti one percent two percent eric Garc- michael avenatti yeah. Yeah. come on i know oh my god. two percent eric garcetti wasn't he a former uh mayor right of mm-hmm. of los angeles maybe um uh, right uh wasn't he a former mayor am i thinking of somebody else Uh, i don't know no you might be right um three percent eric holder there's another guy we haven't even talked about right brother now think about this in the way in the current environment of how much you've heard about beto four percent beto he's at four percent now among democrats now that look it's early he doesn't have the, Mm -hmm. but i mean he did have a big campaign people are pretty familiar with who he is only four percent of uh, wow. of democrat democrats and democrat leaning independents. Okay. Um also at 4% Michael Bloomberg. At f- Now listen to this one. At 5% Cory Booker, 5%. And John Kerry. Um Can you imagine John if they
3: try Kerry. Kerry out again? That'll be
1: fantastic. Oh gosh. Uh, please. Uh, now we get into the top tier. Please Eight, nominate John Kerry. Please, please do it. Just do it. Just for the fun. We can reuse all of our jokes. <laughs> It'll be great. Uh 8% Elizabeth Warren. Alright. 8? 8%. Now, this is a poll that was taken in October, so it's not old. 8% uh, Elizabeth Warren, 9% Kamala Harris, 13% Bernie Sanders, and in first place, Joe Biden. 33%. Wow, he is almost triple everyone else in the field in the polls.
2: Wow, now the same that's thing. Not even close. And
1: we talked about this during the Trump thing. Jeez, we dismissed and I, I'm first in the line. Admitted this a million times. dismiss the good polling of Donald Trump early because that's ah, name recognition. Yeah, you know it, this. Once this, once we get into the middle, of this people are going to know who these candidates are, and they're not going to like Donald Trump because of X, Y, and Z. Well, I mean, we we saw how that one turned out. We can ask Don. He's in the, he's in the Oval Office right now. <laughs> so, I I, I mean, the, a 20-point lead in early polling is not nothing. Oh, that's incredible. I mean, uh, that's, that's a incredible. big lead. 33-13 to 13 over Sanders, who, again, Sanders, I don't think there's any chance I think, Bernie Sanders is the nominee. I think nominee. the
2: energy has transferred from Sanders to Beto.
1: To Beto and maybe one of those like female, like a, a Kamala Harris, perhaps. Maybe, yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's it does feel I like... I don't think they that he
2: has the energy anymore. Uh, from the from from the rank and file democrats.
1: I think you're right. And I again like we said, well, they already had Bernie running, which is true, but Biden's run like 19 times and he's leading. Biden. Wow. Now again, he'd be formidable change. in debates though. He'd be familiar, for, formidable in debates. He's the type of guy that can mix it up with Trump and not mm-hmm. not look terrified on stage, right? Like, that was Hillary. Right. Hillary yeah. looked like, oh, I don't know what I can say <laughs> next. She Let me did. give a stilted line. Uh, Pokemon, go to the polls. Like, that, that's what's her <laughs> response.
2: All that right. was powerful, though. It was. You gotta admit, that was powerful. <laughs> Looks like there's a, a generational fight brewing in the with the House Democrats um kind of shaping up because the new kids on the block don't want uh the old guard Nancy Pelosi as their speaker
1: yeah i don't know if this is a real threat to pelosi or not i mean i who is it marsha fudge <laughs> who wants to uh, become <laughs> yes. house speaker i don't i don't, yeah, I, I I don't know we'll see how that goes um but it's interesting to see the comparison that the, the uh, washington post did a, 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 a article about the generational gulf between house democrats um and so Democrats right now, their their entire party um, is f- average age fifty nine years old. Their entire Congress, okay, okay, and which has been going up since you know the both sides have been going up because people are living longer, they're staying longer, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. So it's gone up uh, all the way up to uh, fifty nine. It was actually sixty one. It's slightly younger this year as they're adding all these new people. However, their leadership is average age of seventy. So they're they, And they're real leaders
2: like Nancy Pelosi, Steny Hoyer, mm-hmm. James Clyburn, the three top House Democrats are all eighty or very close to eighty.
1: Yeah. And then on the uh, the other side, uh you know, Schumer's not not exactly a spring chicken. No, he's the, not. The average age is uh seventy among leadership in the House. Um now, then you got the whippersnappers like Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, who's right. 28. And they're, yeah, she's, yeah, she's coming in. She's 28. Jeez. So, so right now, it's 61 year old average member, 70 year old average uh, leadership. leadership. For the Republicans, the average uh, member is 56. So, five years younger. Really? Wow. Five years younger than uh, the Democrats as a whole. However, uh, their average age of leadership with Republicans is 50. 50 as compared to 70. Wow. And Democrats wow. are saying, "Hey, this we're going the wrong way on this one. How do we fix this?" And uh, they want to try to put somebody younger in, in leadership, and you know, but there's there's entrenched power there, and I don't think yeah. Nancy's not giving that one up without a fight.
2: No, it's going to be interesting though, because there's a lot of people. Well, seventeen have come out and said, "Look, we want anybody but her. Mm-hmm. We don't want her again." And it's kind of surprising they're willing to challenge her openly like that. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. And we'll see you tomorrow, uh, right here.
5: Glenn, back. Mercury.